at every mass, every mass that is done, whether it's here in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, or it's a mass in some other country, a town, a city, a village, wherever you have a mass and a validly ordained priest, a miracle happens at every mass. You can't see it. You can't see it. But a miracle happens. That we, here we have the word. When we proclaim the gospel, we have the word of God. The word of God is to inspire us, is to inflame us with great love for God. But then the word became flesh through Mary. And Jesus came down from heaven to this earth, and the word became flesh. And now that Jesus has ascended into heaven, he's still with us. That the word became flesh at every mass, a miracle happens because the bread now becomes the body and blood of Christ. Once the priest invokes the Holy Spirit, what's called the epiclesis, when he does this, that's the Holy Spirit time. So there, there are certain gestures that the priest does that's invoking something spiritual, invocation of the Holy Spirit and the words of consecration that the bread no longer becomes bread. It is now the body and blood of Christ. The wine no longer becomes wine, but now it becomes the body and blood of Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the living bread. He said, I'm the living bread. He said, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Most of the heresies against the Eucharist say it's only a symbol. Say it's only a symbol, it's only a sign. It's not really the true body of Christ or the true blood of Christ. And I would love someone to say, prove it to me. You ever have someone that's very scientific? Prove it to me. Prove to me that at every mass throughout the world, when a priest takes bread and wine and invokes the prayers and the power of the Holy Spirit, that at every mass, that that bread and wine is changed into the body and blood of Christ, prove it to me. And so today, I'm gonna to show you, God has proof. So God is scientific, he's not just theological. I could give you all the theological documents in the world and you still won't believe. How many people still don't believe? The bishops can write documents, the pope can write documents. I could be here giving you document after document, encyclical after encyclical, catechetical teaching, and how many people still leave the Catholic Church and say, I don't want anything to do with it. But now, what if the Lord does something, not just a document, but something extraordinary? A miracle. That the Lord does a Eucharistic miracle to show us what happens at every Mass, but does it in an extraordinary way throughout the centuries, even up to our time. So I want to relate to you, I want to prove to you that at every Mass, an extraordinary miracle happens that we don't see, but the Lord has shown us throughout the centuries. And I want to relate some Eucharistic miracles to you. In my talk yesterday, I related a Eucharistic miracle in Bosena, Italy, that helped to establish 
the feast of Corpus Christi, what we celebrate right now. There have been Eucharistic miracles that have actually had scientific investigation that even proves that there's no scientific explanation. When science gets in, they don't, they don't say it's a miracle. They just say that there's nothing that science can explain. And I'd like to go through a miracle that happened centuries ago, about 12 centuries ago, and Eucharistic miracles that have happened in, in this century, in the 20th century and 21st century. So the first Eucharistic miracle that had happened was in Lanciano, Italy. It's one of the most famous in the eighth century. If you've never heard of it, this is great. If you've heard of it, it's always great to hear a story again and hear it again and hear it again and hear it again so that it gets through our thick skull. It gets through our ears. It gets through our hardened hearts because we need it. So this happened with a Brazilian monk who had doubts about the Eucharist. So he's having doubts that Jesus is really present when he invokes the Holy Spirit and says the words of consecration. So what happened during the mass itself, the consecration itself, the host was changed into live flesh and the wine was changed into live blood which coagulated into five globules, irregular and differing in shape and size. The host flesh can be very distinctly observed today. It's still there, you can observe it. You can go online and observe. There is an actual piece of flesh. It has the same dimensions as the large host used today in the Latin church is light brown and appears rose colored when lighted from the back. The blood is coagulated and has an early color resembling the yellow of ochre. Various ecclesiastical investigations were conducted since 1574. In 1970-71, and taken up again partly in 1981, there, there took place a scientific investigation by the most illustrious professors in Italy. The analysis were conducted with absolute and unquestionable scientific precision, and they were documented with a series of microscopic photographs. These analyses sustain the following conclusions that the flesh is real flesh. The blood is real blood, it's not fake. The flesh and the blood belong to the human species. The flesh consists of the muscular tissue of the heart. In the flesh, we see present the my myocardium, the endocardium, the vagus nerve, and also the left ventricle of the heart for the large thickness of the myocardium. The flesh is a heart complete in its essential structure. The flesh and the blood have the same blood type AB as the Shroud of Turin. In the blood, there were found proteins in the same normal proportions as are found in the seroproteic makeup of the fresh normal blood. That means the blood is living. In the blood, there were also found these minerals, chlorides, phosphorus, magnesium, potassium, sodium, and calcium. The preservation of the flesh and of the blood, which were left in their natural state for 12 centuries and exposed to the action of atmospheric and biological agents 
remains an extraordinary phenomenon. This is from the eighth century. You could go online, Lanciano, look at the pictures. There's an actual piece of flesh that was once bred in the eighth century. And it's flesh that's now a heart, it's heart, it's heart tissue, it's living tissue. And it was not mummified for 12 centuries. It, it, the, the, you know, there was no mummification. Think about that. Take a piece of bread from your cabinet and put it out. See if it's going to last 12 centuries. See if that bread is going to last 12 centuries. Well, maybe it, it might if it has all kinds of preservatives. With our preservatives today, it might last 12 centuries. But bread doesn't last 12 centuries. So there's no scientific explanation of this Eucharistic miracle of Lanciano. But you could say, ah, that was back in, you know, 12 centuries ago. Does the Lord does something today? Does he do something today? I had someone come up to me and say, Father, there's no miracles today. Oh, there isn't? Father, there's no miracles. I don't see miracles today. You don't? Well, I'm going to relate to you three miracles that happened recently. Eucharistic miracles to prove, again, as Lanciano and other Eucharistic miracles, that what we believe, or what we should believe as Catholics, happens at every Mass. The first is in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And this was when Pope Francis was Archbishop. Pope Francis actually witnessed this miracle. And it was at the same parish, it was actually three Eucharistic miracles that happened, 1992, 1994, and 1996. That's pretty recent. The parish of St. Mary in Buenos Aires was the site of these three Eucharistic miracles. On May 1st, 1992, after Mass, a Eucharistic minister was placing a reserved consecrated host into the tabernacle when he noticed two pieces of consecrated hosts had fallen onto the corporal, the cloth on the altar. A priest was called who placed the host into a vessel of holy water, as dictated by church procedure, and then into the tabernacle. On May 8th, it was discovered that the host fragments had become a reddish color. Then on May 10th, during evening masses, Drops of blood were observed on the patents, the small plates that hold the consecrated hosts. Then two years later, on July 24, 1994, while a Eucharistic minister went to get the picks from the tabernacle, he noticed a drop of blood running along its side. Then two years later, on August 15, 1996, during Mass, a consecrated host was found in the back of the church in a candle holder. Father Alejandro Pizet retrieved the host, which was dirty, and placed it into a vessel of holy water to dissolve. On August 26, it was discovered that the host had several stains of blood. These stains became larger every day afterwards. Only this miracle was investigated. Archbishop Jorge Bergoglio, Pope Francis of Buenos Aires, was contacted. He immediately had the host professionally photographed. For reasons which are not clear, it was decided not to publicize the event or, and to keep the host in the holy water. The host stayed this way for three years and never decomposed. 
1999, a scientific investigation was begun under the leadership of Ricardo Castañón Gómez of Bolivia, a clinical psychologist who specializes in brain chemistry. Eight scientists were involved in this investigation from four continents. On October 21, 1999, Castañón brought a sample to a forensic laboratory in San Francisco to do analysis. On January 28, 2000, scientists found fragments of human DNA in the sample, but not enough to produce amplified DNA. Dr. Robert Lawrence, a top histopathologist who studies tissues, found human skin and white blood cells upon further analysis. He stated in an interview that the white blood cells were living at the time they were collected, even though they normally die within two hours after being taken from a body. In 2001, Castagnon sent samples to Dr. Eduardo Linoli in Arezzo, Italy, who said the sample was heart tissue and had white blood cells. White blood cells means that it's living, that the tissue is living. This is from a host. This is from a host at Mass. In 2002, samples were sent to Dr. John Walker of the University of Sydney in Australia, who said that the sample was muscle cells with intact white blood cells. On March 2nd, 2004, samples were brought to New York for analysis by Dr. Friedrich Zugibi, a famous cardiologist and forensic pathologist at Columbia University. He was not told what the sample was, Zugibi found that the sample was heart muscle near the left ventricle. It was inflamed and had white blood cells, meaning the heart was alive and pumping when the sample was taken. The heart showed signs of being under severe stress. When told that the sample came from a consecrated host, Zugibi was speechless. Zugibi was also an atheist. He was an atheist. Castagnon was an atheist when he began the investigation, but converted to Catholicism by the end of this investigation. The Eucharistic Miracles does not have, well, it does have church approval. Now, the problem is that they waited so long, it took so long to get the genetic sample. So they found that this Eucharistic Miracle was of the heart, same as Lanciano. And they found that the blood type was AB when they did further investigations. They found that the blood type was AB, which is a miracle, which is the same as the Shroud of Turin. And this is a host. This is a piece of bread that was consecrated at Mass that happened. Then there was another Eucharistic miracle that happened in Tisla in Mexico. On October 21st, 2006, St. Martin of Tours Parish in Chipanchingo, Chalapa Diocese in Mexico held a retreat. Two priests and a nun were distributing communion during mass when the nun suddenly turned with tears in her eyes to face the priest next to her. The host that she was holding had begun to ooze a reddish substance. And the bishop did a scientific investigation. Again, he contacted Castagnon to do research between 2009 and 2012. Then they presented their conclusions in 2013. The reddish substance was found to be blood with hemoglobin and DNA of human origin. Two studies were conducted by prominent forensic experts using different methods. 
Both showed that the blood originated from the interior of the host, excluding the hypothesis that someone could have placed blood in the host from the outside. The blood type was AB, the same blood type that was found in the host of Lanciano and on the Holy Shroud of Turin and Buenos Aires. Microscopic analysis showed that the exterior part of the blood had been coagulated since October 2006. The interior layer of the blood was found to be fresh. Intact white blood cells, red blood cells, and macrophages were found, whatever that is. The tissue was found to be heart muscle called myocardium. At the time of testing, DNA remnants were found, but not enough to produce amplified DNA. On October 12, 2013, the bishop declared that what had happened in Tisla was a Eucharistic miracle. It had not yet been approved by Rome. Now, there's a third one, or there's a fourth one, actually. And this one happened in Poland. This was Sokolka, Poland. On October 12, 2008, in St. Anthony's Church, a consecrated host fell to the ground during Mass. A woman who had been kneeling in order to receive communion told the priest who immediately placed the host into a silver vessel with holy water. At the end of Mass, the sacristan, Sister Julia Dubowska, took the silver vessel and poured it into another vessel for increased safety. She then placed that vessel into a safe where the chalices were kept. On October 19, 2008, Sister Julia opened the safe and smelled the aroma of unleavened bread. She then noticed that the host was partially dissolved with strange red clots in the center. She told the pastor who showed the host to two other priests. The Metropolitan Archbishop was called who came to see it. On October 30th, the host was taken out of the holy water by orders of the archbishop and placed on a corporal and put into a separate tabernacle in the rectory. The samples were sent to two laboratories in 2009. Pieces of the host were sent to doctors Maria Sobianek-Lotowska and Stanislav Sokolsky. Both scientists work at the Medical University of Białystok as histopathologists doctors who diagnose diseases in tissues and organs. When the samples were analyzed, the undissolved part of the host was embedded in the cloth. The red blood clot was bright. Both studies concluded that the sample was myocardium, that's of the heart of a living person who was near death. The heart muscle fibers were intertwined with that of the bread as if the host had transformed partly into flesh. According to the declaration, of Sobyanek Lotowska, this was something that was impossible for human beings to do. No foreign substance was found in the sample. There has been no public information on a DNA test done on the Sokolka host, et cetera, et cetera. There, there, there's more on it. What's amazing about all these modern Eucharistic miracles, they could not obtain a DNA profile, which is impossible. He could not obtain a DNA profile. Why is that? Because half of Jesus' DNA is divine. Think about that. Half of it. Half of it's from the Blessed Mother, human, and half of it's divine. But they could not obtain a DNA sample. All of these Eucharistic miracles all point to heart tissue that's living, that's still living. As someone who is, who is beaten, who has severe inflammation, the blood type is the same, AB. 
And these are taken from hosts at the Mass. That's why every Mass is a miracle. Every Mass is a Eucharistic miracle. Sometimes our Lord shows it to convince us of the truth of the gospel. We don't need Eucharistic miracles for our faith, but some people do. Some people do need to be convinced of what we believe, of what happens at every Mass. And recently, these are, are not approved, but recently, I think, it, I think it was in Mexico, that during Eucharistic adoration, the people saw the host was beating like a heart. You actually see that on video. And recently, it was in Connecticut. This is still under investigation. So I won't say this is a Eucharistic miracle, still under investigation, that there, were, there was something that happened of a multiplication of the hosts at the Mass that happened. This was recent here in the United States in Connecticut. It's still under investigation, so we leave the final judgment up to the bishop. This is why Jesus says, I am the living bread come down from heaven, that he's living, that every host is alive with Jesus Christ. And every host that we receive lives within us and brings us eternal life. Okay, that's why Jesus says, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I and him. We have scientific proof here about the Eucharist. And there might even be people that say, I still don't believe. I still don't believe. And what I would say to those unbelievers, I would say, okay, you still don't believe. We have scientific proof that proves that the Eucharist is what we believe, the true body and blood of Christ. I would say, disprove it then. Disprove it scientifically. You say it's not the body and blood of Christ? Disprove it scientifically. Do a scientific analysis then to disprove what we believe as Catholics happens at every Mass, that we receive the true body and blood of Jesus Christ. Disprove it then. Disprove it scientifically. Not just your whatever, you know, they, they always say in forensic files, People lie, but science doesn't lie. People can lie, but science does not lie. Prove it scientifically. Because if you can't disprove it scientifically, then you have to humble yourself and believe that what we do at every Mass is a Eucharistic miracle. Though you can't see it. And the Lord can work a Eucharistic miracle whenever he wants. I always say to the Lord, Lord, please, don't you work a Eucharistic miracle on my hands. I don't want all that publicity and everything. I believe, I believe you don't have to do that. You don't have to change your flesh and have it bleeding all over. And the seminarians did a wonderful job with the altar. And we don't want blood all over for our 1030 mass and procession and everything. You don't want all that blood. And I believe you don't have to do that. But if he wants to, he could. He could. It's not up to us. That is why there's a miracle, a Eucharistic miracle that happens at every Mass. And if it happens at every Mass, wouldn't you want to come 
to Mass. Not just because someone tells you to come, but wouldn't you want to come and receive the living bread that has come down from heaven, which brings you eternal life, which will raise you up on the last day and give you life, life that you can't bring yourself, but life that comes down from heaven, divine life that will bring you life. All we need is humility and faith to receive the precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in Holy Communion and the Eucharist at every single Mass. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.